The least that I expected of him was to walk the path together with me, combine his ability to mine, and importantly, work really hard to not only convince, but actually deliver a promise to yep. new customers who were only just getting to know us. So fairly soon, I found myself in a situation where I would be making promises. I would end up making promises I didn't think we could keep or deliver alongside a person who trusted his talent all right, but consistently blamed failures on either the customer's lack of understanding or their lack of appreciation of his talent. Hello, fellow risk takers, and welcome to my worst investment ever. Stories of loss to keep you winning. In our community, we know that to win in investing, you must take risk, but to win big, you've got to reduce it. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm on a mission to help 1 million people reduce risk in their lives. Just go to myworstinvestmentever.com today and take the risk reduction assessment I created from the lessons I've learned from more than 470 guests. It's time you start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A. Stotts Academy, and I'm here with featured guests, Kamal Krishna. Kamal, are you ready to join our mission? Hi, Andrew. Yes, I think I hear the drum roll, and thank you for having me. It's really interesting. I'd say it's really interesting how you've brought together and created so many interesting stories over the years. I had a really great time going through your podcast episodes. Thank you. Well, it's great to have you in the mission. And, you know, that, that's what life's about, particularly as we get older, is how do, we, how do we share what we know and how do we help others to share what they know and they can share. Let me introduce you to the audience. Kamal Krishna is the founder and CEO of Mobilize, Bangalore's fastest growing advertising and B2B marketing agency. He has worked with major advertising conglomerates for nearly 15 years before jumping into and starting his own company. Even though he did not initially invest anything, he kicked off Mobilize with hard work, creativity, and client advances, which made it profitable from day one. My goodness, that is such a great kickoff story. Why don't you take a minute and tell us a bit about the value you bring to the world? Thanks, Andrew. Sure. So, like you said, I'm an advertising professional and I run a very specialized B2B marketing and advertising agency that has, and I'm proud to say this, it has set benchmarks in our space, been profitable since day one, and it has won the trust of global brands across Asia Pacific, India, and European markets. Now, I come with a simple goal. I am here to create professional opportunities for 10,000 people, something similar to what, what you were talking about earlier when it comes to your goals, Andrew. And I also realized that I can't do that just, with, just by doing one thing or with one company. It requires me to succeed. I have to push myself to do so. I have to succeed. And with that success, I have to create more and more opportunities, ventures that not only others could tap into, I also intend to build partners who walk along with me and pick what they like, build what they like. And in the process, we end up building opportunities all around us. So that's a goal that I that I work with. I live and work in Bangalore, India, with my family, mm. although my work has taken me across most parts of the world. And here's a little trivia about me, if I may add yeah. over here. Uh, I'm, a motor, I'm a motorcyclist. A motorcycling enthusiast and one thing i that i have come to realize is that motorcycling equals meditation i don't mean to say that 
<laughs> I don't mean to say that I ride with my eyes closed or anything, though. It is just that when you are riding the highways, you have to be super attentive to yeah. everything and constantly be on guard. It's a time when really no other thoughts get into it on whatever troubles you may have or anything you are stressing over. The mind is just blank and focused. Mm-hmm. Now, tiring as these rides may be, they certainly end up clearing your head. So yeah, I highly recommend motorcycling, especially in northern Thailand, Chiang Mai area. That's this is a wonderful, wonderful place to, to ride. And the other thing I love and enjoy, and I highly recommend again, are dogs. We have a rescue boy at home and another one at work. And I can't tell you just how much joy they bring to our lives. I'm grateful every day for both Pepe and Pixel. Allow me to wave a big hi to our good boys. So yeah, that's yeah. that's about me. Exciting. <clears throat> I uh, When I came to Thailand, I didn't have much money or much anything, and uh, I had energy and all that, but I did start to make good money pretty fast, and I bought a Harley-Davidson Road King in 1998 when the bot devalued, and right. I just, it was a great opportunity for a brand new Road King, and I basically mm-hmm. rode that all over Thailand, and just would pack up my bags, you know, and just say, I'm just driving I had no plan. I never, ever set a plan of where I was going or, you know, where I'd end up or where I would sleep for the night. I would just ride. And I know the feeling of meditation, you know, when you're riding a motorcycle. Also, what's kind of interesting is, which I never really understood until I did it, you know, long distances, is like Mm -hmm. that I can always remember the changes in temperature as you go through different areas and just going a little dip and all of a sudden it's cool air and then it's warm and then it's hot. In Thailand, of course, there's a lot of bugs that come out at certain times of day, which, you know, you end up kind of saying, nah, I don't think I'm going to go out at that time. But yeah, and it's it's funny when you think about the roads in in India and the roads in Thailand, it's not something you would you would typically say you're meditating. But I think what you're saying is that you're totally focused and you just can't bring right. other things in. So you just stay right in there. And you got to see grandma over there, all the way over the side. (laughs) She starts running. You know, how fast do I have to stop? So, you know, that type of thing. I know that feeling. (laughs) Let me just ask you a question about marketing and advertising and this type of stuff. What does it mean? I mean, for a finance guy like me, I always thought, you know, the way you do business is that you come up with an idea and, you know, people just knock on your door and they come and buy it. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize that you really need to do marketing and advertising and that type of stuff. I just thought those were things were, you know, just kind of fluff. But I've learned that, you know, there's so much. So what is it that you do or your agency does, you know, in the space? So it's a great question, Andrew. You see, we all entrepreneurs or companies for that matter, we we truly believe, the right ones, of course, truly believe that we have something really good to offer consumers, customers and such like. And yet truth is, we know it. The whole point of you know building something really great or you know a product or an offering or a solution or a service is that, and knowing that you know people need it is to really find those people and have a conversation with them. I mentioned B two B marketing earlier because typically advertising is looked upon as as a lot of noise and sometimes you know full of not so true elements. But here's the thing about business to business or B two B marketing. Every single day. I have to create an opportunity or create content that that will be read by a decision maker or a CEO because it's business to business. Mm. And decision makers and CEOs have one thing in common. They typically do not like advertising they, or they are immune to it, so to speak. So unless and until you know your marketing communication has a lot of value, 
an absolute amount of truth and actionable ideas. You listen to it and you have something to do. That's what I mean by actionable ideas. It is not going to fly in the B2B marketing space. Now, it is so hard that if you do it really well, it really you know, makes you a really great professional. And what I love, love, love about advertising is that it allows me to, you know, one day look at a generator, an electricity generator, or the other day, other day an airline or an aircraft or a CD scanner. And, you know, you, you learn so much about different things. And if you're a curious soul and you have the ability to understand content, if you have the empathy to talk to seniors, senior leaders, and you know, understand the need and you believe in the product that you're pitching. I think it deserves to be heard. And that's what, in a nutshell, marketing slash advertising is for me. And that's what I recommend to everyone. Fantastic. And uh, what's the best way for people to find you? I'm accessible, readily accessible on LinkedIn. That's probably the probably easiest the best. and yep. fastest way. Yep. LinkedIn. <laughs> Good. And we'll have links to all that in the show notes so people can, if you're listening in and you want to learn more, just go to the show notes and click and ask Kamal any question. So now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstance leading up to it and tell us your story. Sure. My worst investment, Andrew, my worst investment ever was actually accepting an investment that I shouldn't have at the time. Allow me to expand. A few years ago, during the time when I had just started out, I brought in capital from someone who had the brains, but unfortunately not the attitude. And the lesson that I picked from it ended up defining an entirely new approach to business and workplace partnership that I continue to follow to this day. So here's what happened. About six years ago, I just started off my advertising business. And while the business and prospects appeared good, there remained a fair bit of early apprehension around continuity, scale, capital, et cetera, you know, things that all of us deal with in our initial years. Now, in any business, it's typically good practice to diversify. That's another insight that, that comes to mind, right? Now, diversification has its advantages. And yet the thing with diversification is that it typically works out really well once you're settled in and you can afford to do so. So again, to summarize, I just started off, you know, everything was looking good. I had an opportunity that I looked upon, which was to diversify. And I probably should have known that it was too early to do so. And this is where I made, made a mistake. So as an advertising agency, during those early days, I found myself looking at an opportunity to diversify our creative and design services by bringing in a partner, along with a then very substantial investment. And I looked at it as a small risk that could potentially turn rewarding in terms of enhanced business. Now, what had happened was that an old colleague had turned up at the office and he was quite excited about entrepreneurial venture. You know, he was keen to explore if he could come in as an equity partner to bring in data and analytics capability to pad up our creative and design capability. On the face of it, I'll be honest, this sounded great. Creative combined with data has the ability to superpower marketing performance. So I signed him up, took his money, but luckily decided to park it with the thought that I will only touch it after a few months. Now, I am telling you the story of my worst investment, and this one decision, parking that money in a bank account for later, it turned out to be a really good idea. <laughs> so back to the story. Not Once you started working, you do that. You know, when you're starting a business, you need that money so badly. True. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And luckily, you know, this whole episode did not last long, so that worked in my favor. Yep. But I'm hoping that this story, you know, warns people or at least alerts them to consequences of, you know, jumping into associations that are not thought through. Yep. Um, you know, my mistake should help others. Right, back to the story. So once we started working together, this person and I, I soon realized something very important. 
You see, talent or individual ability alone isn't and never should be a deal maker, whether you're hiring employees or signing on partners for that matter. Truth is, it takes so much more than just talent to succeed. For example, a person can be supremely talented and yet carry a very negative attitude towards work. And if you choose to work with such a person, know that he, the only one accompanying anything, would be that person alone. I figured out quickly that my new partner wasn't really keen on getting his hands dirty, something that's required for any new venture. Mm. It doesn't really matter how senior or up the pecking order you may have been in a typical job. Entrepreneurship requires you know, a back to brass tacks attitude to bring about your vision and plan to life so that you can bring in people, be it customers or employees, who can then put their trust in you and your venture. Now, this person, however, I think was expecting entrepreneurship to be something of a comfort zone once money had been brought to the table, not realizing that as a data and analytics subject matter expert, you know, the least that I expected of him was to walk the path together with me, combine his ability to mine, and importantly, work really hard to not only convince, but actually deliver a promise to yep. new customers who were only just getting to know us. So fairly soon, I found myself in a situation where I would be making promises. I would end up making promises I didn't think we could keep or deliver alongside a person who trusted his talent all right, but consistently blamed failures on either the customer's lack of understanding or their lack of appreciation of his talent. So luckily, like I mentioned earlier, it was early days and I was yet to touch this person's investment. So I found myself faced with a choice. I could either keep and use his capital and find a way to work with someone who clearly wasn't passionate about this whole thing, or I could trust myself and my original plan, stay solo and cut any losses early on. I took the decision to go solo and return this person's money. You see, I realized that while I was going to lose access to say $100 then, mm. someone with the wrong attitude easily cost me way more in the yep. future. Yep. And in, in, in hindsight, that was the worst investment of mm. my time, if not money. Yep. Yep. And yet it was probably one of the better decisions that helped me carve out a profitable growing business that we have today. So let's review the lessons that you learned. So the primary lesson, of course, like I said, was to never rely on talent alone. But there is another good thing that came out of this experience. I continue to believe in both things, finding the right partners, finding ways to diversify. What changed for me was that ever since then, I began hiring professionals, really talented professionals on a simple premise or an additional premise, if I may say so. An additional, you know, that goes beyond salaries. I told these people, everyone, and I tell them now, that if you really are as talented as you claim to be when we first meet, and you can work as hard or harder than I do, we can be partners once we have worked together and won together over a set amount of time. It sounds very simple, I know, but trust me, this isn't very common. It is definitely not common in the sense that, you know, we offer direct equity in the business to these people as against stock options alone or complicated instruments. The only investment we seek from them is their time, hard work, commitment, and shared successes. This approach, Andrew, helped me pick partners on the basis of demonstrable performance and integrity that, that I'm, and I'm proud to say that over the last six years, we have already made four partners and grown both our business value and the diversity in our service offerings exponentially. Now, my past experience may have been a rotten one, Andrew, but I'm grateful for it considering it pushed me to consider putting a really a much better plan in place. Well, let me uh, summarize what I took away from it. I mean, the first thing I want to think about is for the listeners out there, you know, how are you giving your top employees a piece of the action? I mean, obviously one way is through a good bonus and things like that. But 
aligning them as shareholders, that type of thing, you know, this is a great, Kamal's really giving us a wake-up call to say, what are you doing there? And I think that that's interesting. And the second thing is thinking about, I wrote down about like roles. When someone comes into a company, it's got to be kind of clear what, what they're going to do and what they're going to bring. My best friend came from Ohio and I was in Thailand the first year or so. And he said, let's start a coffee factory in Thailand. And so in 1995, we started a coffee factory. The idea was I was working in investment banks, making good money and getting to know people in the financial industry. And we made a decision that it would be better for me to keep my job and let him run the business. So we made a very conscious decision that we could finance the cash flow and, you know, both focus on our areas. And even during times that I lost my job or in the difficult times, I still just wasn't ready to go work in the company. But Dale and I, you know, talked all the time about what was going on. And I tried to do the accounting and finance stuff that I knew as best I could. I could only work on evenings or weekends. But he knew that. And we had an agreement. And now we're almost 27 years into it. And uh, that partnership has worked. And part of what we kind of came to the conclusion is like, he is the CEO, he's the MD, he's running the business. I, I'm a sounding board. I'm trying to help. I try to help on the finance and accounting side, but ultimately we have a very clear role. I think you could probably say I'm a little bit more like a chairman, not involved in the daily business. And he's more like the managing director. And so you can make it work. It's just that both parties got to want to contribute you know, and what both parties want to contribute can add value to the overall. So that's my little story. When you told me about it before we turned on the recorder, I was just thinking about that story too. So anything you would add to that? I'm sure the coffee that you guys make tastes and smells great. And I couldn't, couldn't agree more. You know, they say business partnerships, uh, like a marriage, it's something that must be cast in stone for it to work. Now, that's a very hard place, and our choices as, as entrepreneurs must reflect that. My singular advice to even our listeners is, you know, is to consider building partners like the way you and your partner did, as against bringing in someone who only has capital or one thing to offer. The commitment is so much more important than any capital you can imagine. And now I also understand that it's not an easy decision or path. Sometimes you need the money. Sometimes you, you know, just want to get, get on with it. But then again, you know, no great thing comes easy. Mm. We must find those who align and not just expect. And yeah. that's, I think, true to your story. Because that builds a value that I believe is mutually valued between partners. Yeah. It's interesting about the commitment because Dale and I have known each other for 35 years since we were about 14 years old back in Ohio. And I just know him very, very well. And during the crisis, he's managed the business pretty well, considering most of our customers have been shut down. Cash flow, all of the difficult times, and he's been able to do it. But there was one time when he asked me to come see him and our accounting person, and, and I could see that, you know, he needs cash for sure. And... I left that meeting and literally left that meeting and was on the phone with the financial people that I know. And I said, how do we pull this together to make sure we get the funding that we need, you know, to get over this short period of time. And then basically was able to really support him in that area. So it's the commitment to say when times are tough, I got to do my part. I'm, I'm not doing a lot. You know, I'm outside doing my own thing in my own business. When it comes time to step up, 
freaking step up, ladies and gentlemen. That's the challenge. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True story. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> let me ask you, what's, what's some a resource that you'd recommend for our listener? At this stage, I do not have you know, a direct resource to offer, mm. but I love talking to people and I love new problems. So if you want a consultancy, you have it for free. I have a very patient here mm. and I have a curiosity and inherent curiosity to hear new problems, which I believe marketing could solve in one way or the other. It could be any industry, it could be any, you know, any sort of product that's out there. I would love to hear a problem statement and take a stab at it. Think of me as someone who, who just likes to take on challenges and sort of, you know, find really new innovative ways of doing that. That has been our secret sauce in the first place. You know, we have this policy at Mobilize. We don't pitch necessarily. Mm. We, when we actually, we do pitch, but when we go to, go to a pitch, we, you know, we end the conversation by saying that, look, I'm here to prove myself not pitch myself yep. because pitching is great. Everyone wears a suit and, you know, shows up in their final day, but best. proving takes guts. Yeah. You know, you, I'm putting myself out there. I'm literally putting myself out there. And if I don't show you that I love your brand as much as you do, or probably more than you do, then, you know, I've not proven myself. Then my pitch is, is useless to begin with. Yep. So yeah, if there is a resource, I would say, let's talk. Let's just talk. Let's hear, let's discuss problems and take it from there. That's a great offer for the listeners out there. Just go to the show notes. You can click on his LinkedIn or you can just go to Kamal Krishna on LinkedIn. Just tell him that you met from the show and say, I got this challenge. What do you think? And try to spend some time and you never know what it will lead to. All right. Last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months? So Andrew, over the last last few years, we have grown exponentially year and year. So much so that I have my, you know, I actually have my partners to thank for. We even showed a 50% growth in 2020 alone during the COVID-19 pandemic, mm -hmm. when I remember losing 70% of our buildings overnight. During the time, you know, these very special home-brewed partners that I have, they stood by me, for they are equally hell-bent as I was then and continue to be today. They were equally hell-bent to ensure that our investment would not fall apart. And thanks to them and our teams, we persevered. Now, we have continued to power through 2021 with this entire year with over 100% month-on-month performance. And now we are not only looking, I say we are practically ready for, and, and we are all set to diversify further into brand new marketing communication specializations with new clients, renewed confidence. And I'm really excited for 2022 today. That's one thing that I can tell you uh, as far as my goals for uh, the next 12 months. Exciting. Exciting. I like your style. Well, listeners, there you have it. Another story of loss to keep you winning. If you haven't taken the risk reduction assessment yet, I challenge you to go to myworstinvestmentever.com right now and start building wealth the easy way by reducing risk. As we conclude, Kamal, I want to thank you again for joining our mission. And on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? Thank you so much, Andrew. That's, that's quite an honor. <laughs> Well, to, to entrepreneurs looking to set sail, you know, people who are about to take risks that, you know, Andrew here, listeners, is, is here to, to help reduce. If you're looking to set sail, I would say partners are your best investment and they are way more valuable than any capital you raise. 
Therefore, you must make it your business to either choose or build the right ones, irrespective of the effort that requires. I promise you, it's entirely worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, in our early days as a small business, whenever we pitched, uh, when, I, when I was talking about the pitching a bit earlier, we were in competition with bigger, more established and really global advertising agency. And I would say one thing, I would always add this one thing to our presentation. We tell our prospective clients that once we get your business, and later there's a time when you ring us, remember that you'll always speak to a partner someone who's not just keen or interested in your business as an employee they would instead find every time you know find everything that when you call us you will find that all each one of us are partners and we are entirely invested in your success and true as it is this simple thought has always won us business and appreciations later on so if there is one thing i would say is choose your partners really really well spend time put in effort and i assure you it's all well, it's all going to be worth it. Such great advice. Well, that's a wrap on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our wealth. Remember, ladies and gentlemen, this podcast is about one guest, one story, one mission to help one million people reduce risk in their lives. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott, saying, I'll see you on the upside.